0: Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. I'm so happy that you're here today. Why don't you take your Bibles and meet me in the book of Judges, chapter 6, and let's talk today about the image of how God sees you, because I'm convinced that when you see yourself the way God sees you, then it's going to dramatically alter the outcome Remember, God's able to see the end, even from the beginning, before the beginning even starts. He already knows what the end is going to be, and he has good things envisioned and planned for you, and you need to see this high level of how God views you. Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would quicken the holy scriptures, so that it's not just ink on paper, it's not just an intellectual hidden knowledge or hidden information, but Father, that it be a living word that is spiritual food that feeds us, that feeds our spirit. Now, Father, we give you praise. We thank you for unveiling the image, the image of of what you have destined us to be and who we actually are right now. Now we give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Judges chapter 6. Let's drop down to verse 11. Judges 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Of course, you normally would never thresh wheat in a low area, like a sunken type area, like a wine press, you would go up on top of a hill. That way the wind can catch it when you throw it up in the air and it will bring that separation after it's been you know pounded and crushed. But he's in hiding because they are in a place really of being overrun by their adversaries, a very uncomfortable place, and makes you do things that would be out of character, It makes you live a life that's not really who you are, a life of fear, a life of uh, really survival in many ways. Now, verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, excuse me, said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Praise God. I want you to know that God has not made a mistake of identifying you and your calling, and your gifting, and God's going to uh, God's going to take Gideon, and he's going to turn him into a tremendous warrior, and a tremendous leader, and God is going to lift this man up, and take him out of a place of obscurity into a place of great leadership. He's going to be a deliverer for God's people. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us, Well, in a nutshell, we can describe it like this. While I get a little drink of water. Thank you. In a nutshell, we could describe it as being a result of sin, the nation in an, uh, a state of apostasy, falling away from the commandments of God, having a mixture where they still had a heart for God, but now they're also worshiping false gods, and that has given the devil legal right to come in. And whenever he comes in, it's going to be misery and suffering in its various forms. So he says, why then has all this happened to us? Well, basically because the nation is not serving God anymore. Now he continues by saying, and where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? Well, you have to also understand Gideon that You're right in the middle of a miracle. I mean, you're having an angel, an the angel of the Lord, talk to you, and really commission you into an assignment. So, get ready. I mean, what was once a dry spell, a period of no miracles, a perhaps a sense of abandonment because of the sins of the people, well, it's all turning. And Gideon, you're up. God's chosen you to be a deliverer, and that is a commissioning, and you're already having a miracle. So uh, no need to really bring up that conversation. How come there's no miracles really going on? Well, they're they're going on right now. (laughs) Woo! And they're about to really pick up the, the pace real fast. Praise God. So we drop down to verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Well, my friends, despite these weaknesses, despite these negative circumstances of really not having the ability to display strength or other so-called qualifications that really God doesn't need all of that. Anyhow, my friends, despite that God is now moving in the life of Gideon and the Lord sees this great potential in him and God's going to now bring it out. Praise the Lord. And I, I really believe that while the church has spent, uh, several decades now giving good teaching on the subject of faith, and we will continue to do that. There's also another uh, situation that needs to be developed and built up in the church. And that's the subject of uh, really not so much of, of a faith problem, but what I would call an image problem. And most believers really don't have a good image of themselves from a kingdom perspective. And you could be someone like myself. I grew up in uh, rural Mississippi. I was actually born in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. But I grew up in the backwoods of Mississippi. And trust me, I had no concept of anything uh, as far as what the Bible would describe as being like like a kingdom image of yourself. I didn't know anything about that. We had never heard anything like that in our uh, backwoods church. But my friends, as we begin to explore the kingdom and within the kingdom, how the Lord views us, that can dramatically alter your life uh, from the perspective of what your expectancies can be and what you can accomplish. Praise God. Because by knowing these things, you can step into what God has for you. Now, again, Gideon said, where are all of God's miracles? Well, I want you to see something. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18. We have discussed this verse a little bit in the last few weeks. Verse 18, Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel. Praise God. My friends, the miracles are coming back, and God is going to work miracles in your life. And God is not only going to do signs and miracles through you. Get ready for this. God is going to establish you as a sign. God is going to establish you as a supernatural sign so that when people see you, they're going to say, well, my goodness, God must be real. I, I know that person. I know their life. I know where they have been at. And when I look at what has happened to their life, they're going to see such a dramatic change that you will be a supernatural sign to them. Woo. Praise the Lord. Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel. Praise God. Now, as we know from scripture, Gideon went on to become a sign and a wonder. Woo! Praise the Lord. A great victorious warrior. And I want to say this, that in order for you to fulfill your destiny, you're going to need, you're going to need miracles. Woo! Get ready You're going to need miracles, and God throughout Scripture has worked miracles from the Old Testament through the New Testament, from the beginning of His involvement and engagement with man all the way up to the present time. God is still doing miracles, and God is going to do miracles in your life to help you experience the fullness of what He has individually tailored and planned and designed just for you and it's going to be good. Praise the Lord. Now, I would like for us to go over to Romans chapter five, just for a moment, as we continue to think about the subject of how God views us and the image that God has for us and how we need to conform to that type of thinking. If God, if, in other words, if God thinks that about you, then you have a legal scriptural right to think that as well about yourself. And when those words hit Gideon, uh, he maybe thought, well, you know, Lord, you've got the wrong guy. But at the same time, you know, that must have really stirred him up because he wanted to be that man. And nobody wants to be a failure. Everybody wants to succeed and do well in life. And God has not made a mistake. God sees greatness in you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we're going to Romans 5, verse 17. And I'm going to read this to uh, to you from the uh, CEV, Contemporary English Version. And in verse 17, it says, Death ruled like a king because Adam had sinned. But that cannot compare with what Jesus Christ has done. God has treated us with undeserved grace, and he has accepted us because of Jesus. And so we will live and rule like kings. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. The New King James Version says that we will reign in life, R-E-I-G-N. That's kingly terminology. We will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. I'm here to announce to you today that you have kingly DNA within your spirit. And you may think, well, Pastor Stephen, I've traced my ancestry. I've I got on to Ancestry.com or, you know, all these various ancestry sites that trace your lineage. And you may say, well, Pastor Stephen, there's no there's no kingly anything in me. No, the moment you got born again, the moment you were saved, hallelujah, you were placed in the Christ. And Christ, and who is the king of kings, Because you are in him. That kingly DNA has now been released into your spiritual DNA, and you are royalty. Woo! And you have to see yourself like that. You have to see yourself as ruling and reigning as a king in life. Not a pauper, not a beggar, not somebody who's looking for the next handout. You have to begin to have this kingly consciousness and awareness on the inside of you. Woo! Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, when I grew up in church, and I, I know this is the same for many churches, uh, various denominations across across the Christian uh, panorama, they... Uh, when you get saved or whatever, or move to a new town, if you're a member of a certain membership, a certain denomination, they want you to join the church and uh, become a member. And you know, there's membership classes and all that can be good that way, you know, the division the of the church and stuff like that. And uh, uh, so they want you to become uh, someone who is a member. So there is a focus on membership. So you can become a member and now you have official membership and you might sit there and you might think, well, is this all there is to it where now I'm just like an official member, but really in the, in the concept of God's kingdom, while sure, you can become a member of a certain church or certain uh, uh, ministerial association or something like that, but it's not so much in the eyes of God about membership as it is about citizenship, citizenship, Praise God. And that's why we read about in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, that our true citizenship is something that has been established by God. And we have, see, you can have a dual or multiple citizenship. I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I have a good old USA passport, but I'm also a citizen of heaven, so I have dual citizenship. Or maybe you're like my wife. My wife has triple. <laughs> she really does. She has triple citizenship. She has citizenship in heaven, which is the most important thing. And she also has U.S. citizenship. But because her father uh, her father was from Ireland, she's also an Irish citizen. She even has an Irish passport. Praise the Lord. <laughs> when me and Kelly go to Ireland and we're, uh, we're entering uh, the immigration line, customs line, I go in one line; she goes in another one. She's a Irish citizenship, praise God. So she's going, she's going where the Irish people go, and I've got to go as a you know a visitor, praise the Lord. <laughs> but the main thing is, it's not so much membership; it's citizenship, where you're truly anchored at, and that's in Christ. And so that's where your image is coming from, and the the, the kingdom prayer, as it is in heaven, God's will as it is in heaven, let it be in earth praise the Lord. So when you think about citizenship also, you, you really begin to get a higher concept of the kingdom in the sense that, well, I, you begin to understand that you're under a king. And that can be a little bit different for, the, from, uh, for those of us that are in a uh, republic. Now, everybody says we're in a democracy. Technically, if you're an American, you're in a republic. But we're used to like a democratic type system and uh, you know, where you've got multiple rulers and things like that. But with the, with the true kingdom, you have one king and that king is the one that is governing. So it's interesting when you start thinking really about Jesus and you realize that he's not only a king, he's the king of kings. He's over all. And so because he is the king of kings, we are royalty. And so I think it's fascinating. Let me read this verse from the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, a scripture we're all very familiar with, Matthew 24, uh, verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom, or this good news of the kingdom, see, it's not just the gospel, it's the gospel of the kingdom, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all to all the nations, and then The end will come. So the end is not going to come until the gospel of the kingdom is preached literally worldwide, and that has not happened yet. So it's our mandate to bring the gospel of the kingdom with us everywhere we go, and you can go places I can't go. And everywhere you go and everything you do, you are carrying the kingdom with you because the kingdom is within. But as it's within, it has an outward expression. Woo! Praise the Lord. And you take the kingdom with you everywhere you go, and it brings change for good, change that glorifies the Lord. But here's something about the Lord's kingdom that's so different from perhaps what we could call the various kingdoms of the world. The Lord's kingdom is very different in the sense that, of course, yes, it's got the king of kings governing over this kingdom, but this this kingdom also has miracles. Woo! Stop and think about that. The kingdom that you're in has genuine, valid miracles. Miracles, and the world doesn't have that now, I know in some some areas where there can be uh, what we would call counterfeit mysticism or what we would call uh, uh, satanic acts and things along that line, there can be elements of the supernatural, but it's it's fake in the sense that it does not originate from God, and if it does not originate from God, even if it has a supernatural element to it, the end result of it is not going to be good so we have the real thing. We have miracles within our kingdom. Now look at this example in Exodus chapter 7. Let's go way back to Exodus chapter 7. I find this a very fascinating story. By the way, you're, you're about to see one of the most misquoted scriptures in the Bible, probably, probably top 10 but I I want you to see uh, a story here that's very fascinating. This is Exodus chapter 7, and let's go to verse 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Now get ready for verse 9 for the uh, encounter with Pharaoh. Let me grab a drink of water. When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves. And by the way, the Lord's already let Moses know this is how Pharaoh operates. If you're going to come in, he's going to immediately engage with you in a sense to basically uh, filter out, are you for real or not? And so he'll just get right into it. You know, this is kind of like, like boxing, but you know, just skip the gloves, take the gloves off and we'll just get right down and get right to it. That's what's going on here. So uh, when Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod, and cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. Okay, verse 10. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh. You ready? Here we go. And they did so, just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh. And before his servants, and it became a serpent. by the way, did you catch that that 's one of the misquote, uh, most misquoted verses in the Bible and even if you watch the movies you 'll see who throwing down the rod you 'll see Aaron excuse me Mo, you 'll see in the movies Moses throwing down the rod and you'll you 'll hear preachers say, "Yes, Moses threw the rod down. Moses did not throw the rod down. Aaron did now, yes, Moses did previously have his own encounter with the Lord when the Lord was validating his commission said, Hey, what's that in your hand? And Moses said, well, it's a rod. And God said, throw it down. And it you know turns into a snake. And then God says, pick it up. And he picks it up by the tail, turns back into the staff. But Hey, this is different right here. This is Aaron doing the throw down. And again, probably top 10 misquoted scripture. Everybody always says, Moses did it. Moses didn't do it. Aaron did it. All the movies always show Moses throwing the rod down, but see, Moses had a conversation with God and said, God, you know, I know you're, you're assigning this to me. Basically I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, but he basically told God, I, I don't think I'm your guy. Uh, can't you find somebody else? I mean, God, I can't even really talk that good. And so the Lord got angry because remember the Lord, he has image. He sees you for what is really your potential. And he's going to bring that out. And he has great things planned for you. And here's Moses trying to, uh, uh, humiliate himself before the Lord and the Lord's not buying it. The Lord's like, you're my guy. And he's like, look, if you're going to, if you're going to struggle with me over this thing of, of, you know, you're not a good speech type giver or whatever, look, here comes your brother right now. There's Aaron. He's a Levite he's a good talker. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this. He's going to do all the talking, but you Moses, you're going to, you're going to be like a God to Pharaoh and to these Egyptians. So when these events were taking place, you have to understand a lot of this was being done by Aaron and Moses is standing there and people were terrified of Moses. The Egyptians saw this guy who's not really talking But they know he's the dude running the show, so to speak. And they're just like, this guy's like a god. (laughs) Woo! And he's got Aaron throwing the rod down and all this stuff happening. So anyhow, it's very fascinating. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh, also called the wise men and the sorcerers, says, oh, okay, so you boys want to play rough? All right, let me get my guys over here. And he called the wise men and the sorcerers, so the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. Now, remember, when you see the word magicians, um, we're not talking like amateur tricks and fake stuff here. This is real satanic uh I would call them fake miracles. Or is it real supernatural? Absolutely. But see, I was growing up a church that didn't believe in modern day miracles. And and in many ways, didn't even believe some of the Bible miracles. They would try to explain it away from a intellectual, philosophical viewpoint. And they would say, oh, now look at Pharaoh. He's got his magicians doing a magic act trying to trick Moses. No, this is not some stupid little magic act like you're doing a little car trick. This is real. Those, these are warlocks. These are satanic uh, priests that are worshiping demon gods and they are into the black magic and the black arts. And this is a collision between God and his man and Pharaoh and his workers of darkness. And it says, they also did in like manner with their enchantments for every man threw down his rod and they became Serpent. So, this is not an illusion. This actually happened. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Well, there is a snake here in North Carolina. And uh, it's it's really kind of all over the the southeast part of, of America. I don't I don't know if I ever saw one in California when I used to live in California. Maybe they have them out there. Anyhow, I'm t- I'm talking about the king snake. And so a lot of theologians said, well, maybe that Aaron's rod turned into a king snake because a king snake, the ones around here, they get real big and they'll eat any kind of snake. And um, you know, Moravian Falls is known as being kind of like a uh, angelic hot spot okay so uh, i've met a few people that went a little too far with the angel stuff and one one person he was an older man he said oh he said Stephen, there's such a presence of god here on this mountain he said there's no snakes on the mountain i said brother i said you better be careful because i know for a fact there's rattlesnakes on this mountain oh no this is god's holy mountain there's no snakes here <laughs> and three days later he's cleaning out his garage and he moves something in his garage and there comes a baby rattlesnake out that this long how many of you know if there's a baby there's the mother and the father somewhere and by the way uh, just in case you didn't know the baby rattlesnakes eject a much higher level of venom than what even the big adults do because the little baby ones don't know how to control uh, their limits. They're 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 too young to know how to control. So when they inject, when they bite, they just release the whole toxic mess. <laughs> when he saw that snake, he told me about it. I said, I told you. I said they're on the mountain. I've seen them, and uh, but I've also seen some huge king snakes around here. And if you'll see the king snake, you'll notice there's hardly anything else, any other type of snake uh, within the area, and they'll eat all the mice and things like that too. So you never kill a king snake. And technically, you never kill a black snake uh, either. They're very, very good. So the thing is, is that Aaron's snake ate up all of the other snakes. Woo! So even in the world system where there are those that would lean towards the dark side, and uh, let me just say this, I'll kind of skim over it. There are large financial institutions, That literally do, this is not a joke, I know it for a fact. They literally do bring witches and warlocks into closed door board meetings and they pay these uh, counselors, if we could use that word, great amounts of money if they can predict where certain stocks are going. And if these workers of dark magic, can have a track record of accuracy. They'll pay them huge amounts of money, and then they will go invest on that counsel from the dark side. Now, of course, those that are trying to hear from the dark side information about that, they're, they're extracting an awful price, which of course, first of all, is their eternal soul. And unless they repent and come to Christ. Uh, all of that is going to get paid back because the wages of sin is death. So uh, it's not like they're winning. Uh, you can have money and be spiritually bankrupt. So it's not a fix-all by any means. Praise the Lord. But yes, these are things we need to be aware of because in God's kingdom, we not only have to function by you know uh, you know our minds and making good choices, but we have we have miracles. We have, we have a real God who still does real, valid miracles for his people. And that, my friends, is a big part of the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the church has tried to do things, good things. The church has tried to do things and have influence in the world without miracles and the supernatural. And if you leave out the miraculous, you can only go so far. You have a very low ceiling. You can do some good things, but you can't really make the impact that you're destined to, that God wants you to, without God and his miracle-working power. We're never going to get the gospel preached into all of the world, the gospel of the kingdom, without miracles. It's not going to happen without miracles, but the miracles are going to begin to move mightily because God is moving mightily and we're going to see it get done. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's see what Jesus said about this. John chapter 10, verse 37, praise God. Jesus said, if I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me wow. Well, the father had assigned him to do these various works, many of them miracles of healing, all types of other miracles. And he said, if I do not do these works, don't believe me. Wow. So we need the full package. God never intended for the church. He never intended for you to have to go through life, making biblical explanations without ever having miracle demonstrations. Mm, 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 mm. there's certain intellectuals i talk to that don't know the lord sometimes i talk to certain intellectuals and because they're not open to the gospel and they think they know everything you can't really you can't really get it over to them because remember it has to come by revelation so in cases like that, it's not like I'm going to just debate and debate and wear myself out because they like debating. And not only that, we're, we're stuck on an intellectual plane. But if I show kindness to them and just say, look, I, I know we, we don't see this the same, but I, I'm going to be praying for you that God, that God would reveal himself to you through his power, praise God, not just through some intellectual discourse where maybe somebody talks you into the gospel. But if somebody talks you into it, then somebody else could come along potentially and talk you out of it. So this is not his stuff. This is heart stuff. And this is God's miracle power on display. And so God never intended for the church to have all types of explanations without having any miracle demonstrations. And you're going to need miracles especially for those of you that are in ministry, you have a ministry calling, you're going to flat out uh, have times where you're you're going to need God to do a miracle. Even if you try to do everything the best you can where you don't, I mean, you you, you balance everything properly financially, you plan everything with wisdom, there could still pop something pop up where uh, you're going to have to realize that you're going to need God. And you know, you think about the largest Christian television network in the world today, uh, TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network, and how that ministry was launched and how it got started. And it would not be here today at all. Now with all of his uh, subchannels and all of its uh, other outreaches, it would not even be here unless God did a miracle for Paul Crouch at the very last minute when he was first getting the fledgling ministry up and running and they're renting a little place. And even for the backdrop for their television set, they had a shower curtain. Can you imagine that? They had a shower curtain in the backdrop, and they were just doing everything they could by making all of these sacrifices just to keep it going. And it was a great struggle just to keep the small team on payroll and keep it going. And uh, yet at the same time, God and Jan knew that Paul, uh, excuse me, Paul, God, uh, Paul Crouch and his wife Jan knew that God was in on that assignment. And so they stayed faithful, they kept moving forward and endeavoring to expand. And they reached a point where they suddenly needed thirty-seven thousand. I think it was thirty-seven thousand dollars, either like thirty-seven thousand or forty-three thousand. It's been a little while since I've read the testimony. But I think they needed thirty-seven thousand dollars by Friday at five o'clock PM before the bank closed. And so those final few days leading up to it, you know, Paul's on TV. And at that time it was only local, you know, like they're in Orange County and he's trying to share with them. They need funds and please pray. And God moves your heart. Please sow a seed and nothing happened. They only had very small offerings and it got down to the last day. It got down to the last few minutes And some people actually gave up. Some of the office workers I read actually took everything out of their desk and left and said, it's over. It's over before it even really starts. It was a great idea, but obviously it's, you know, it's not going to work. And people left, but the faithful stayed. And just a few minutes before five o'clock, an old man named, his name was Scotty. I can't remember his last name, but his name was Scotty he was going out that day and he was going to go buy a small yacht and the Holy Spirit spoke to him. Now this man, I think it's interesting because if I'm correct, he was either a Presbyterian or an Episcopalian. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, take the $37,000. Don't buy the yacht, go and give it as an offering to TBN and go do it right now. So when he showed up, he was an old man showed up with a check and Paul when he saw the check and the amount on it, he said, give it to me. And he took it and just immediately left. And Paul said at that, at that time, I didn't even have time to explain to him what was going on. He said, I had minutes only just like maybe seven minutes to get to the bank before it closed. And he got there just right before it closed and got it deposited. And if it had not been deposited that day by five, they would have lost everything. (laughs) now of course later uh, you know they they thanked him and, uh, and over the years as the growth was evidenced and seeing they had him on the program little Scotty to thank him and eventually you know that man died and went to be with the Lord can you imagine his reward in heaven wow in association with all of the souls that were later saved, millions. I think last time I saw like 9 million souls or something like that, one to the Lord through that ministry. Praise God. But my friends, you're going to need miracles. You're going to need miracles. Any valid calling, not only that, any valid business that God established, you're going to reach a point where you're going to need God to do a miracle, and He will, my friends, do it for you. I thought about the time that Evangelist R.W. Schambach was preaching at a YMCA building. I think it was up in New Jersey, and he said, well, so many people were getting saved. It would be good just to start a church, so he kind of started the church, but needed the meeting place, and he thought, well, we might as well just buy this old YMCA building and just use this for a church, and uh, so he had he had plans to buy it, and then and then when he went out uh, to walk around on it, he went out and walked around the whole property and claimed it for the Lord, said, I'm going to buy it. And then the next day, there was a for sale sign on the property. He picked the sign up out of the yard and put it in his car and drove to the uh, realtor's place. And he walked into the realtor and he said, he said, who put this sign on my property? And the man said, "Well, you must be some kind of you know crazy person or something like that." But he, but he explained that I, I'm a minister and I'm I'm going to buy that property because God wants me to have that property. And you know, it so- sounds like crazy faith stuff. But there will come a time you're going to need God to help you out on on these things. Well, uh, the man said, "Well, brother Shambach, if if you want to buy this property, uh, how much are you willing to pay?" He said, Zero. <laughs> And the man said, well, you've got you to gotta offer something. And he said, not only that, he said, he said, I've already talked to the board of directors. They won't sell it. Uh, they won't really sell it uh, unless they're going to get top dollar because somebody else is already offering that. He said, well, call them. And he said, they'll sell it to me. And the man said, that's crazy. But he said, I'll call them just to humor you. And so that realtor called the uh, directors. And they just happened to be having a board of directors meeting right when he called. And he said, I've got a crazy preacher in here who wants to buy the building. And, and then Shambok said he could hear the man on the phone and something kind of, he could hear the realtor saying, um, uh, now, what was that you just said again? Please repeat that. Okay, I'll do that if that's what you want me to do. And he hung up the phone, turned around and said, well, you must not be such a crazy preacher after all. Shambok said, well, what did they say? They said, sell it to him. Sell it to him at, at uh, a certain amount, which was a very low amount. And Shambach said, see there? He said, I told you God gave me that building, so I'm, I'm buying it. And the realtor said, how much do you want to put down? He said, nothing. <laughs> he said, well, you've got to put something down. And Shambach said, okay, I'll put this much down. And, uh, and he, when he says down payment, he doesn't have it, so he's got to get it real quick. And I, if I'm correct, I think he said, I'll put $30,000 down. Well, Over the next few days, he raised, uh, you know, a few thousand, but he was still way short. And it had to be in, again, another scenario like Friday by five o'clock. And it had to be in by five o'clock. And uh, Friday rolls around and nothing's happening, nothing in the mail. Nobody really responding, just a few small offerings. And um, he said, Lord, you're, you're cutting this one close, but I believe you're going to do it. And, you know, he'd have have other preachers say, like, what are you going to do? Or, or, you know, if this doesn't work, God, and he said, he would say things like, no, this is going to work. God's the best businessman there is, and God's going to come through for me. And uh, he found out also a lot of those preachers thought he was crazy, thought it wasn't going to work. Well, about 10 minutes till five, an old lady came walking up the sidewalk there on the on the property, she came walking up with the sidewalk, and she had she had an envelope, and she held it out like this. And Brother Shambach saw her. She held it out like that, you know, handshaking and everything. And it was an envelope that was closed, and he knew that was it. And he said, "Give it to me." And she said, "How do you know what I've got?" He said, "He said God's never cut it this close before. I've only got a few minutes. Give it to me. I've got to get it in the bank right now." <laughs> she gave it, and he opened it up. I think it was like fifteen thousand dollars, the exact amount that he still needed. The close on that building. He had to have it in by five o'clock. And he just ran, took off straight to the bank and got there like three minutes before the bank closed. And uh got it in. Got it in. And, and then he said, All those other preachers want him to come pray for them to get their building. He was like, No, no, no. He said, If I go with you and I pray for it, he said, I'm gonna get it. <laughs> so <laughs> Amen. You learn these things that God does real miracles. And Uh, In the kingdom, this is something that we need to not only be open to, we need to expect it. Praise God, because you're never going to be able to get kingdom assignments done in your own power, your own strength, your own ability. You were never meant or designed to be. Just like Gideon and all of these other people, you begin to get uh, the correct image of who God views you as being, and then you begin to understand that God is with me, God is helping me, and that help contains supernatural provision, supernatural supplies, supernatural wisdom. And look, my friends, it's all in the kingdom. Everything you need is in the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So God is going to confirm your position of kingdom royalty through miracles. I need to say that again. God is going to confirm your position of kingdom royalty through miracles. Praise God. Now, let me show this to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. The Apostle Paul said, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God, praise the Lord. I think it's very important that we understand that there is a limited distance that we can go in the kingdom without miracles. You can, you can still go somewhere, but you're going to be limited. You're going to need God's miracles, praise the Lord. But here's the good news. This kingdom this, th- that has the king of kings over it, This kingdom has inexhaustible supplies and resources because Jesus is the king. Mm -mm. This kingdom that we're in, I'm not talking about the worldly kingdom. I'm not talking about the physical terra firmer that we're on, but this kingdom that we're in, the kingdom of God has inexhaustible supplies and resources because of the king who's over it. And that my friends is Jesus. Let me give you an example. Genesis chapter one, probably the easiest uh, book and chapter to find in the Bible. Genesis chapter one, verse three, then God said, let there be light. Boom, right? What happened? And there was light. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. I want to ask you a question. Where did the light come from? It, yes. You're saying, Pastor Stephen, it came from God. Yes, it did. And scripture even says that God is love. God is light. Okay. So when God said, let there be light or Hebrew literal light be boom, light was created. Praise the Lord. So I want to ask you another question. Is it possible that we're going to run out of light? <laughs> I mean, for light to run out would mean that the source of, Has been depleted. And if God is the source, it means that God's been tapped out. Is that ever going to happen? No, it is never, ever going to happen. Can't you see that because God, Jesus Christ, is the King of Kings over this kingdom, that if you tie into His kingdom and you're in His kingdom, operating in His image, that there is unlimited supply for you to accomplish and do what he has called you to do. Now, there is not supply to do whatever you want to do. You have to be on target, on task, following the vision that he has given you, not your best friend, following the vision that he has given you. Praise the Lord. And as you walk that out, Praise God. God is with you, just like Gideon. He's on assignment, doing what God has called him to do. And everything that you need, every resource is going to be coming to you in that kingdom from the source himself, from the Lord. Praise God. And what we're going to see as the church begins to get a clearer understanding of our image of who we are in Christ and the kingdom And the image of the kingdom expressed through us is going to do two things. One, it's going to cause more of the lost to come into the kingdom okay? It's going to cause the lost to come to Christ. When you come to Christ, you're coming into uh, his kingdom, right? Uh, it It literally says in the book of Colossians that when you are born again, you are translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son, which is the kingdom of light. It's a changing of kingdoms when you're born again. So when we walk in the fullness of this, and this begins to mature in the body of Christ, you're going to see more of the unbelievers come into the kingdom. And number two, you're going to see the church begin to do what the Bible describes in the book of Daniel concerning the end times. You're going to see the church begin to do end time exploits, great things where even those in the world, even the lofty ones in the world will look and say, how do they do that? How did they do that? Because it won't make sense on paper. How we do it, it's not going to be able to be something that you can tabulate out with a calculator and say, this is how they did it. It's not going to work like that. It's going to happen by God's miracle ability. It's going to happen by God's miracle supply, whatever that is that you need to be supplied, provision or whatever it is. We are in a kingdom that cannot run dry. Woo. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching today that your image be stamped upon them in their understanding that like Gideon, they can get over any initial shock, any preconditioned mindset of failure, but that they can begin to adapt into the new mindset of the kingdom and that they can not only present this, but they can proclaim the gospel of the kingdom with the kingdom proofs profusely operating in their life. And I thank you, Father, that as others see them as a sign, as a wonder, others that don't know you are going to want to come into the kingdom, and we give you praise for it. And we thank you, Father, for your people rising up and doing kingdom exploits because they know the king is empowering them. Now, Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Let us all say, Amen. Praise God. If you're watching me and you're not in God's kingdom and you're in the kingdom of darkness, but you're thinking, I don't I, I don't want to stay in, in darkness. I want to come into salvation in Christ. Pray this prayer right now. Pray it out loud. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died to save sinners like me. Jesus, thank you for paying my penalty of sin upon the cross when you died for me. Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. I give my whole life to you, Jesus. Save me now. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Welcome to the kingdom of light. Welcome to the kingdom of God. And you are now a child of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, Let's take Holy Communion together. Praise the Lord Jesus today. And I'm going to use my new little uh, multi-cup. I've got my bread and my juice together. I like these little uh, sealed packets that you can open up just before you use them. Praise the Lord. I'm going to use these. Hallelujah. These are so nice. You can get them at Christian bookstores or order them on the Internet where you have the the bread and the juice together in one compact little item. These are great for travel also. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We set it apart through this prayer as holy. And we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Christ our Savior. It's still under the form of bread and juice, but it is the flesh and the blood of Christ. Now, Father, as we receive the body of Jesus We just thank you, O God, for true kingdom identity. And because of that, we thank you, O God, that we're able to move forward in our destiny. We thank you for miracles. And as we receive the flesh of Jesus, we expect your miracle power to be unleashed in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask that if we have committed any sins that you would forgive us, wash all of our sins away, cleanse us from any unrighteousness. Thank you, O God. Father, we also we forgive anybody who has sinned against us. We forgive them, release them, bless them, and let them go on. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pray that you lead us away from temptation. We pray that you would deliver us from the evil one. We thank you that you will. Father, we give you praise and we thank you for the blood of Jesus and we proclaim his death until he comes. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, make sure you spend time with the Lord so that you can uh, meditate on his word and see the identity of how God sees your, how he sees you. And then you can allow that to mold your image of who you are and what you can do in him. Praise God and be believing and expecting God this week to do miracles in your life. Praise the Lord. Father, bless your people in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time.